Midnight Race fans, another week, another show, episode, I guess it would be 204 of the One to Go show. First, a little, uh, a little warning for everybody here that might be tuning in. The following program is a collection of uh, us three knuckleheads here talking about what's going on in the racing world. It's meant to be uh, comedic. Sometimes it is. Sometimes people don't think it's very funny. That's okay, right? And informative. The opinions expressed here don't always, yet they sometimes do. Some One of my sponsors wanted to point that out. But they don't always represent the opinions of our sponsors, okay? Now, we're probably going to hurt some feelings. I, I was going to say we might, but probably. We're probably going to hurt some feelings. Um might say a couple cuss words, might kind of throw a couple uh, F-bombs in there once in a while, try not to, but it it happens, we're human, right? So if uh, if that offends you, if you're soft, if you're kind of that new generation where everything hurts your feelings, go ahead and just turn it off and go watch something else because this probably won't be for you. And if you got little kids and you don't want to hear them, if you don't want them hearing a little swearing from time to time, Probably turn us off, although your kids go to the racetrack and probably watch you work on the car in your garage, so they probably heard a lot more than what we're going to say on the show. I promise. So, boys, let's get to it. Episode 204 brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. If you're self-employed, if you own a business, if you have employees, you farm, you truck, if you pay for your own health insurance, if you're sick of paying too much for something you maybe don't barely ever use, if you're sick of your insurance company telling you what doctor you can go to might have a solution for you. Hit me up, 218-969-1380, or hit me up on Facebook. I can get you a no-obligation quote. I can send you over all the information you need to see if Impact Health Sharing is a good fit for you. Guys, happy Thanksgiving, man. Happy Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week. It's a It's a great festive time of the year. Kind of the kickoff to the holiday season. I know that Bert's probably got his Christmas tree up. I may have seen that. I gave him a little crap <laughs> about that. Bruce got his Christmas tree up a couple weeks ago. He says, I don't ever take it down. I'm like, all right, fair enough. All right. <laughs> to be honest, my Christmas tree has been up for two years. I never took it down. I guess I guess you don't have to decorate for Christmas, right? If the tree <laughs> just stays up. Now, what I don't recommend doing is lighting up the whole neighborhood 20, you know, 365 days a year, which you do not. So, a good, quick question for you guys. You know, we'll just start it off this way. What are you guys thankful for? You know, 2024 coming up, 2023 just about done. You know, Bert, I'll start with you. I mean, what are you thankful for moving into this uh, holiday season? Um, all right. This is my first time playing fantasy football in like 15 years and got off to a slow start, but I'm only one game under 500 now. Knocking on the playoffs, door for the playoffs. Um, but no, I mean, seriously, I'm just, I mean, I'm I'm thankful for my health, uh, you know, thankful for my family. Um, so, and, you know, thankful that uh, um, I live in a, in a country where we get to do this. <laughs> Yeah, amen to that. So, uh, yeah, Bert, Bert in the in his former uh, quarterback tone started off slow, but relax. Bert said he's coming. <laughs> relax, Coach Kraus. What are you thankful for? Ah, uh, Bert. Uh, I don't even. I'm looking at the standings here, Bert. 
Um, tied for fifth, I see you are in the in the yeah. fantasy football standings. <laughs> five, five and six, huh? You got a long ways to go to catch the old uh, eight and three team twenty nine uh, there, uh, Bert. So uh, yeah, but he's gonna take eight and three. Cross team's gonna take an Elberger this week. Just it's need going. you just need to make the playoffs. Once the playoffs start, then it's a whole new ball game. I see I got an X by my team name here. Does that mean something? I don't Did you guys see that? <laughs> yeah, you kind of locked that. in. You're kind of locked into the playoffs. So that, that L you're going to get this weekend, you probably just take one for the team. Just go ahead and forfeit this week. That'd probably be all right. You know, help a buddy out here, right? I mean, just right, go ahead and right throw on. me a ball. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I said, it's that time of year. We're getting into holidays. Obviously, like Bert said, thankful for family, thankful to uh, have a roof over my head and and have a good job that I love doing. I think um, you know, being able to pay the bills this time, this time in this in this world, is something to have. And and um, obviously, you can't take that stuff for granted. So um, you know, thankful for uh, you know, it, it's for letting you guys let me on the show. I know we have a lot of fun with it and doing my own podcast. I, heck, I even did uh, track talk last night. I did a radio show with Jason Berg up there in the uh, Fargo area. So that was kind of fun. So uh, yeah, there's a lot to. Uh, you know, thankful my hockey teams were eleven four and one. We're we're still winning, so uh, I got to be thankful for that too as well. Yeah, you're gonna have to get booted out here. Is what you're gonna have to do. We gotta get we gotta get a little fireworks. We need a little action. But yeah, off to a good start with the blizzard there. And and for myself, family, friends, right? You know, I mean, the older I get, the more I look at it. And don't get me wrong, we all got to have money. We got things we like to do. We got bills we got to pay. But for me having the time to enjoy life with the people I care about, do the things I want, you know, having a strong family network, you know, and being able to go spend time with my parents and do things like that. I'm going to see my daughter, of course, this weekend and a lot of friends, you know, the racing community as a whole. And then let's, I mean, we're critical a lot of times of a lot of different stuff, but the one thing that I'm probably most passionate about in this sport is the people I've literally met from coast to coast for, to border to border in the racing world. Got a lot of great friends, a lot of a lot of people that I've met over the years, and uh, just super thankful for that. So, speaking of critical, let's get into it. <laughs> we got a little with soda news, boys. A little with soda news. Now, before we get into it, quick shout out to our buddy Brad Parsons Soil and Egg Solution. So, if you're over in Western Minnesota. Um, North Dakota, if you're over in that neck of the woods, right? If you're if you're in farming, if you're looking, how can I be more profitable in 2024? How can I get better yields? How can I make more money? Well, having the right stuff in your spray packages is going to give you an advantage. Call Brad, his number, 320-219-3542, and find out what he has to offer. See how he can help you have a better 2024. So, guys... Three main topics come to mind here. You know, we talked about the Wasoda meeting, Wasoda banquet, and all that stuff last week. Coach Kraus, you, you talked to me a little bit a couple days ago. So they voted in at the meetings. The tech committee brought it up. I think Russ Ebert perhaps brought it up. A prototype front clip designed by Howe for the modifieds. A tubular front end is what, what they're looking at. And their initial plans were to build six cars, do a little testing with it. Chassis builders at the meeting said, hey, this is probably going to be a cheaper option. Sounds like a little hiccup there. What's going on? What have you heard? You know, I have, I didn't hear much about it. And then um, 
I was talking with uh, Jeff Flatt from Turbine Chassis. He obviously owns Turbine, and my son Ryan's in a Turbine Modified, and he he built my other Supers a Turbine. And, you know, obviously, you know, I ran Turbine there for a few years, and he bought the chassis. Um, he had called Billy and said he wanted to build one of these cars, and Billy told him no. He said, um, supposedly, I guess they gave – they're like I said, they're building six prototype cars with this Hall front clip. Um, and supposedly I, this wasn't voted on. So, and Billy said, we're, we're, we're going to come up with a scenario and get this figured out. So supposedly MB customs, SSR, um, and JMR, J McDonald, we're going to get two each, uh, to build these cars. Um, and anybody could run them. If you wanted to run one, contact them. Well, supposedly that's dead right now. Those, those three chassis builders don't want to build a modified with this front stuff. That's just what from I've heard. I've been talking with Como Joe a little bit with Joe Staria, um, and he had got a call from Dave Kane, and obviously, like I said, I was talking to Flatten, so I did some homework here and tried to figure out what was going on. Now, supposedly those guys were going to send a letter to all the promoters. Um, we have not received that letter. I haven't received anything. So as of right now, I do not know. Um, I was going to give Dan Ebert a call or somebody, or, or maybe Trantina knows something a little bit more going on here with this. But I, like I said, that's that's what I heard. Um, that this this uh, prototype, this Howl front clip may be dead right now. Yeah, with a little bit I know about this, it looks like it could be a pretty good deal moving forward if they kind of figure it all out and get the right jigs in place. Not sure how I feel about them handpicking what chassis builders are allowed to build a car. I, I think that's kind of maybe opening themselves up for a lawsuit, right? I mean, so they got to be careful there we don't need you know that kind of headache if there's a chassis builder out there i mean jeff lawton builds a good car his kid's pretty quick he's actually pretty sporty in that thing then you got trc out there you got a lot of different chassis builders that could go ahead and build one of these cars i mean heck affordable they don't build a lot of modifieds but they can fabricate one i think that's kind of a a slippery slope there so it'll be interesting to see how that moves forward bert uh What's your thoughts? Should they be allowing, if they're going to have a prototype, should they be handpicking a certain chassis builder in your eyes, or should they kind of open that up to whoever wants to do it? I don't think they should be handpicking chassis builders to uh, to build the, these with the, this front clip on it. I mean, if you're going to allow the front clip, you ha I mean, to me, the fair thing to do is whoever wants to build a chassis with that front clip should be allowed to build it as long as long as it meets all the specifications that um, are put forward by Wissota or, or, you know, whoever. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, if, if you're picking chassis builders to pick it, I mean, that to me, that's just going to increase the cost, not decrease the cost. Yeah, one would think, and, and it's interesting that A.J. Demol, it sounded like, I wasn't at the meetings, but it sounded like upon initial conversation, and, and maybe he did some research after the fact that maybe that's why he doesn't like it, but initial conversations, it sounded like A.J. and M.B. is like, hey, this looks like a good idea, and then it was interesting that just a short period of time later, they said, now nah, we want nothing to do with this deal. So um, Coach Krause is kind of in the loop on that. We'll let him, uh, we'll follow up here in the weeks to come. Another thing here that came out at the meeting was the tire penalty discussion. So earlier this year, a street stock driver out in Mandan, Dakota Speedway, um, Jaden Chris got caught with 
what they considered altered tires, right? I don't know the specifics. I never saw the data. But needless to say, they said that there was materials in the tire that did not meet the benchmark. And the penalty at the time was a one-year suspension from Wasoto Racing. Okay, so they got themselves an IMCA car. They're going to play around with that until he can race again. But at the meetings this year, they voted to make this a 30-day suspension if you get caught with altered tires. Now, a second infraction, of course, would be one year. So being that, I got a, I got a question here from Joe, a fan question. Being that they changed it to a 30-day suspension because the promoters felt like this is way too long. This is ridiculous. Like we can't be losing cars. Should they prorate that and allow Jaden Chris to race opening night of the Wasota season in 2024? Well, I mean, technically, when he was he was dinged with it, it was a one year suspension. So, I mean, if you want to go by the letter of the law, he should still sit out his one year. Um but um, obviously, you can change that rule, or you, you can make an exception if you want to. It's whether they want to or not. Coach, you're a yeah. Promoter, they're gonna have to right? stick. So, what's your thoughts? Yeah, they're gonna have to stick with that deal. It's a tough deal because I know they changed some fines, the amounts too, as well. Some five hundred to a thousand, thousand to five hundred. Now we were talking about some stuff like that too. So now you're gonna go back and take the guys that got fined this year and give them money back or get more money from them. So that's a tough deal. Um, it did get brought up. And obviously, um, you know, the flip side is, you know, people talked about too, the penalty was so harsh. Now, you know, now maybe some tracks might be able to, to um, police the tire stuff a little bit more, send some more samples in, you know, now it's 30 days and a thousand. It's not a one year suspension deal. So we might be able to police that a little bit more too with, with the tire stuff. So I think that's a good thing too, but yeah, no, we got to stick to our guns with, you know what happened last year to Jaden? It's it's super tough. It's it's a it was pretty much a unanimous change to get that back down to basically what everything else is a thirty day and a thousand. I wouldn't die on a fence either way. Um, I felt like it was way too harsh when it initially happened, and I get that's what the penalty was. And obviously, the promoters agree because they're like, we can't be having a one year suspension for this. I personally would be like, look, he served his time. They're in an area of Wasota, which that shouldn't matter because it doesn't matter where it is or who it is, but they're in an area of Wasota out there where there's a lot of IMCA stuff going on. You know, whether it's him or anybody else, he's already paid the price. He missed invitational season. He lost his points. He lost all of in any shot at a championship he had. I would not, I would not be overly opposed to them letting him start the 2024 season. If they don't let him, I can certainly understand that as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna make some phone calls and try to make something happen. Bert, you had something. Oh uh, yeah, I was just gonna mention. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about you know how, how we want to make racing better, and the reason we bring up stuff is you know we wanted we want to bring it to the attention of of everybody to make the sport better. I mean, is this a case where because we talked about it on the? I, I I'm not saying. This is that's the only reason, but the podcast helped bring this to light on how severe this suspension is and got, you know, you know, maybe some of our talk helped the promoters realize that, hey, so, you know, it, you know, we don't always just preach doom and gloom. I mean, we're, we're, we are do, trying to make the sport better. 
Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. You know, because, yeah, we, we definitely, we if there's something negative that happens, we'll drop the hammer. We'll bring it up. That's next, right? We're going to talk about that next. But I also like to be the person that has a solution, right? You know, if, if there's a problem, hey, here's a solution. So I would like to think that maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. We're just three knuckleheads with mics here on a podcast. So maybe, maybe not. But um, I think that's a valid point. So here's a doozy for you. This is kind of the number one hot topic of Wissota. And I, I, I should, I don't know, Bert, you can decide. I, I should almost give Kraus a donkey award for not telling us about this beforehand. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure. But you know what? We'll, we'll spare him. It's Thanksgiving. I'm in the mood. It's a holiday. It's a holiday week. There's only so many donkey awards to go around. And there's a whole lot of Wissota board members. And, and I'm giving all of them a donkey award for their complete ineptitude of what's going on. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So here's here's the story. I got a I got a couple messages after last week's show. They're like, how could you possibly not talk about the biggest freaking thing that was talked about at the meetings? I'm like, I got nothing. Don't know what you're talking about. I thought we hit everything. In 2023 in the season, the Wasota Promoters Association lost in the vicinity of $150,000 to $200,000, somewhere in that range as compared. So what I mean by that is after the meeting, right, after the banquet, when the point fund money was paid out, when they did a comparison, right, of what they had for money in at the end of 2024 or at the end of 2022 as compared to 2023, they had a whole lot less. In fact, it's such a big number, right? That if they did exactly the same thing in 2024, the company would fold, go bankrupt, and there would be no money left. It's a bad deal, right? So here a couple things come to mind, right? From what I understand, the board, the Wasota board, knew nothing about this till like literally the day before the meeting. How is that possible, right? What that tells me, guys, is this. The Wasota board as a whole, okay, they are so far removed from anything that is going on in this organization that they are just not competent. If you're going to be on the board, be active, right? You'd be doing something. How can a how can a business of any kind not have like a, at the very least, a quarterly meeting Maybe a, they have a monthly board meeting. Do they not talk about the financials at their monthly board meetings? How could they not know that they were so far behind in money? That so they what they did, in my opinion. Now I don't know this to be fact. This is just speculation here. Okay. But Rod Lindquist he resigned right after the meeting. Okay. Now, people that I've talked to have had a couple people comment. They said, well, he resigned because he lost all their money. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because he's one guy. There's a board of directors that should be overseeing what all the employees do. This ain't all on Rod. Did they? And I'm not saying he had no part in this because he certainly did. But my goodness, is he the scapegoat? How is the the board should all be replaced, right? Any employee, and I have absolutely no idea, none, of who is able to be in charge of the money, handling the money making those financial decisions, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's a board or just the employees, combination of both. But the fact that the board knew nothing about this, 
This is ridiculous. This falls on the board of directors for a multitude of reasons. One, they should be demanding a monthly report of where we're sitting financially. There should be, is there not a budgeting meeting, right? How, how is there not a budgeting meeting? I don't really understand that. This is a business. How does that not happen? Also, the board chooses the employees. They're the one who picks the employee. It ain't the promoters that pick the employees. The promoters pick the board. The board hires the employees. I've personally been saying for years that the people that they're hiring are not qualified to be in the positions they're in. It's a good old boys club and gals club. And, and quite frankly, it's who you know. It's not how good you are at your job. It's who you know. They're handpicking people that just are their buddies. This is a travesty. It's an embarrassment to Wasota. And, and I, I just got to be, I got to be honest. It, it really, really stings. It pisses me off. Like we, we talk about Wasota. We throw them under the bus. We do this, but only after they do something stupid. It don't get more stupid than this, right? You know, I got a lot of different things here we'll talk about, but your initial thoughts first on when you hear that this organization, and, and Krause, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they have, they ended the season with under $100,000 in their bank account. And this is a time of year they paid out their point fund, right? And they, you know, they, they've already spent their money. It's, it's kind of set up that way to where you have significantly less after the banquet because you're paying everything out. But, Bert, are you surprised that they literally lost that kind of money in one calendar year? Well, I mean – Based on what you just said, I mean, if that's all accurate, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they don't have a check, a check and balance system, you know, uh, as to, uh, you know, what's coming in and what's going out. And um, I mean, the first thing I would do is demand that a professional audit be done um, to find out, you know, where the money went. Um, and that sort of thing. And I mean, there has to be some sort of, like I said, there has to be some sort of checks and balances to make sure um, and and some sort of system to make sure that board members know uh, what is going on financially. Um, you know, it because board members should not find out the day before an annual meeting about uh, a financial situation like that <clears throat> no that and and that's as much on them right that's on the board that's not just on the employees that's on the board i had a couple people comment right and they're like there's only two ways an organization like that loses that kind of money right there's only two ways one somebody stole the money i do not think for a minute that that is what happened I, I don't believe that because there's a lot of different things when looking at the financials that it's like, yeah, no, they just, they were completely incompetent is what they were doing. They had no idea. They, they literally didn't budget anything. I don't think anybody took any money. I really don't. So I don't even want to go down that road. Okay. It's happened. It happens in organiza organizations all the time, but I don't think that's the case here. Now, the other side is just complete ineptitude, right? So, Let's just face it, right? They had roughly the same amount of cars, right, last year as they had the year before. Well, where does their money come from? Their money comes from with soda licenses, you know, events. You got to pay sanctioning fees. You know, a big money maker for the organization is the Wasota 100. And coach, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were more profitable at the Wasota 100 this year than they were last year. So that is like 
that's even like, what the hell are they doing? Right. Cause initially I'm thinking, well, they hired that guy. Um, who was the guy they had come in and he performed. They kind of did the after party. Um, you, you remember, mm. um, they had Johnny Holmes, um, the concert. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Holmes. So they hired him and I'm thinking, well, maybe that, but they, that was all figured into the 100 and they made more money. Now they cut the purse. What was it, about eight grand, $8,500, somewhere in that vicinity, they actually paid out less, right? They cut the purse. We talked about that before. So that's a big one. But then you look at it, it's like, okay, so they hired more employees. Okay, that's great. I'm all for having staff, right? But where's that money coming from? Because if their revenue is sponsorship dollars, which was a little down, but less than, was it less than 10 grand it was down, right? So they had they had less sponsors. They had about the same money coming in from tracks and drivers. More money coming in from the one hundred, but not much. It kind of offset the the downshift in sponsorship money. So essentially, they had about the same amount of revenue. Well, if you have the same amount of revenue, you can't have considerably more expenses. What are we doing here, right? So they had more employees. They gave some employees raises, right? They what are we doing there? Like, where's that money coming from? The next thing is they had that MPH Invitational in Bemidji and Hey, they tried it, you know, whatever. I'm not opposed to them trying stuff. Things happen. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some that lost a bunch of money. Um, probably not great planning on a couple things they did there. They got the PRI show coming up here in December. Please explain to me, Bert coach, one of you two, maybe please explain to me why, Wissota needs to spend the money to have a booth at the PRI. They aren't selling nothing. They're not they're not expanding all over the country. I understand sending a person or two down there to go talk to all these different vendors, build relationships, try to get contingency sponsors and all that. But why does Wissota have a booth? That that's unnecessary spending right there. Why in the world we live in today? We all know people that work from home. There is huge businesses, huge organizations where their staff, office people, right? They work from home. Why are we spending, I believe it's upwards of $20,000 a year renting out a little, uh, I don't know, coffee club office space or whatever you want to call it in St. Cloud. It's nothing more than where the click gets together and they kind of do their thing. Everything that's done in that office is either done by phone or on the computer. That can be done from home. It's unnecessary. We don't need that. Take that money, put it towards the drivers. We don't need an office for that. You know, the Challenge Series, we talked about that. They lost 30 grand last year. Pretty much all of that was employee costs, and it sounds like they're cutting back, making some changes there. Um, it's ridiculous. Now, from what I understand, there are some promoters that are that are taking a look at at the books and trying to figure out, Hey, what can we do to change? What can we, how can we fix this moving forward? So they are taking some action steps, but I, I'm just flabbergasted, right? That they, you know, they fire, they get rid of Dennis McCauley because, Oh man, he's, he's a bully. He's mean. He was the only freaking active board member out of all of them. He was more active than all of them combined. It wasn't even a close thing. We're going to get rid of him because he was mean and he hurt people's feelings and he told the truth. So we're worried about somebody that's hurting somebody's feelings, right? But on the same side, we're just going to keep all these people here that literally couldn't run a freaking lemonade stand. It's unbelievable.
right? And, and don't get me wrong, there's some business people on the board that probably do great at their at their business, but they're also actively involved in their business. They aren't actively involved here. Kind of sounds like, I don't know, I don't want to get into politics or whatever, but when you're more worried about hurt feelings than you are about paying attention to the financials, you end up with a freaking shit show, and that's what we have here. Guys, thoughts? Well, I have a question. Um, does Wasoda work with a professional accounting, accounting firm to keep their finances? Coach? Or do... I don't believe so, as far as I know, Gus. Gus is the uh, treasurer, as far as I know. So I, I didn't see any uh, anything on there that says that. So I, I, as far as I know, no. I think they have an they have an accountant that does their taxes, but I don't uh, think they have an accountant that that is like, hey, we're going to help you make decisions. Which I don't I don't think they need that as long as you have like active people saying, okay, hey, here's where we are. I mean, you don't need to be complete rocket scientists to be like, okay, here's the money we have coming in. Here's what we want to spend. Something ain't adding up here, right? Like we learned basic math in grade school. We kind of understand how that works. I mean, what were they were they thinking that? Hey, miraculously, we're going to make an extra hundred and fifty thousand at the one hundred. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. It, I mean, I get it; it's an oversight. Things happen, but that's a big chunk of change. When you, I believe they were down over sixty percent compared to the year before. That's a big hit, and and it's not because well there was rainouts or what. It, it was just literally lack of awareness from all the people involved and uh man i i'm i guess i'm glad that that they caught it before they ran out of all the money because there are some very sharp promoters that i do know that are uh, actually going to be kind of stepping in to maybe help with the process moving forward well and that's the thing i mean okay you lost money this year but i mean you have to you have to fix it. You have to figure out what went wrong and you need to come up with a plan to make money because losing money every year is a losing proposition. And, you know, you can't do that for very long before you're in really serious trouble. If they, if they duplicate in 2024, what just happened in 2023, they are bankrupt. It's, it was that they have that little money to work with, right? To where if they do this again, it's over. It's done. There is no more with soda. We're going to move on. That That's it. So they have to fix the problem. Now, the only way to fix the problem is increase revenue, right? And really the only revenue, God dang, I, I really hope the only revenue is getting sponsor money, right? Because if they get through their thick skulls, well, we're just going to go ahead and charge the drivers more which they did last year. They upped the fees last year, by the way. I'm not sure if you remember that, Cross. I was at that meeting. They did up the sanctioning fees last year. So they increased the fees last year already. Well, you can't increase the fees enough to offset that kind of money. So I'm not all about increasing the fees. I'm about, in this scenario, if you want to create more money, that you can do fundraisers. There's different fundraising activities that you can do. Look at that deal they do at Fairbury, right at the Prairie Dirt Classic. They generate like a hundred grand a, of revenue to work with there, so they could do some different things to create some revenue. 
the other thing they can do on the flip side of that, get more sponsors, but you have to cut. You have to cut expenses, right? I mean, in a couple of the big ones, Coach, um, we kind of talked about this after the fact is the MPH deal was a was a huge loss. That was a big chunk. What what do you do you remember what the number was on that? Was it like twenty or thirty grand they lost on that deal? No, I didn't think it was that much, was it? Was it about seven, eight thousand? I thought we talked about okay. the MPH. Okay. Um, but it's still, like I said, it's still lost money. Yeah, that oh the challenge series was a big hit. That was about thirty. You know, but so you start looking thirty here and ten there and five here and you know, pretty soon. So you got them numbers gotta they gotta get closer together. So the group of people working on this, it's not an easy task because there's not a lot of things they spend money on, but figuring out what you're gonna cut, what's important, what's not important, how are we gonna grow this deal? It's uh it'll be interesting to see how they move forward in 2024. So another thing on fan feedback here, but first a little shout out here to our uh, our friends over in Ashland, Wisconsin, Fast Lane Motorsports and Powder Coating home of the Galloper Chassis, proud sponsor of the number one uh, series in all of Wissota Racing, the Northland Superstock Series. Um, they build cars, custom fabricating, sandblasting, powder coating. They sell any parts that you need. They can ship anywhere. Great group of people up in Ashland. Get a hold of Chris and the gang. It's fast lane motorsports and powder coating. So Ricky sent me this. And World of Outlaws, let's ship gear from local World of Outlaws. So the schedule came out. Um, for the World of Outlaw Late Model Series for 2024. Guys, 33 tracks on the schedule. 16 of those tracks are new venues. That's over half. That's that's crazy. Or that's just shy of half, I guess, is what it is. Is that surprising to you that, that there's 16 new venues on the World of Outlaw Late Model schedule? Uh, it, it's a little surprising. Uh, I think part of that is, um, well, this is just speculation on my part, but, you know, tracks think it would be a good idea to have a World of Outlaw show, you know, one of the filler shows in between the, the, the big shows. And, you know, they have their show and they lose money or, you know, it, it's not as successful as they thought it was going to be. So then they decide not to do it for another year. Well, then the world of outlaws they have to go out and find another track that you know to fill that void i think that could be part of it well here's the deal and i'm glad you brought that up because when i when i was helping out significantly with the uh, grand Rapids speedway covid year we were looking at hosting a world of outlaw late model uh invitational right or late model special and we got to looking at the numbers and it's like in order to make that work, we're going to need some pretty good, you know, attendance in the crowd and going to have to generate some sponsorship money to make that happen. Now, a couple problems run in when they usually, you know, and for the driver's sake, this is a great deal. When they have these shows, they try to lump three, four of them together, two, three, four of them together. So that way it offsets travel costs for the teams. Great deal. But you look at Grand Rapids, if they were going to do it there and then you got one in Ogilvy that year, and then it was going to be Superior, and then right down the road in Fergus Falls, and pretty soon you're like, well, that pretty much eliminates any opportunity for most of them fans to drive to your track, because they're already having it, right? Now, on the flip side of that, I don't know why I keep getting text messages on my screen. It's interesting. I've got to figure out how to use this new phone, guys. Um, so, 
you're not getting those fans coming in, especially when you buy a subscription to Dirt Vision, a one-time, one-fee a year. You don't have to keep paying for event, right? That's bad for racing when you have Dirt Vision. The tracks don't even get a kick out of that. The tracks get $0 from Dirt Vision. So I think you're right. I think you're right. Some of these tracks, smaller venues, smaller fan bases, kind of stuck between a couple bigger places. Maybe it's a losing proposition for them. Coach Krause. Yeah, I know. It's not surprising at all with um, with the amount it costs to host one of them shows, especially we looked in at a Viking, too, even the World Outlaw Sprint Cars. It's even more to host them with their sanctioning fees. Um, and then, you know, same with the with the late models. Um, and then the flip side is the late models uh, up their purse this year, too, at all these tracks. And all of a sudden, yeah, if, you do, if you're doing a ten grand show, you're paying out a lot more. And, you know, there's a lot of twelve dollars and $15,000 shows. So now, all of a sudden, some of these tracks are going, God, I only made a little bit of money or... If I lost a little bit of money, I'm going to lose even more. So it's it's a super big risk, especially right now financially. And you know, it's you know, World Out LA model sprint car. This forty five fifty dollars a ticket to get into these places, and um, you got to make sure you're in the right right country in the right part of the country to make sure you're filling the grandstand. So sixteen um, is a lot, um, but it doesn't surprise me at all with with the landscape of racing these days. What's and, your oh sorry, Bert? I was just going to say another thing is I mean. These races, for them to have the best shot to succeed, need to be held in areas where there are open late model uh, cars in the area. I mean, Shano Speedway held a World of Outlaw late model event for around 10 years. Um, they, I don't, I don't know. If they ever got over 30 cars, it was low 30s. But the but the local cars, you know, they're not open motor cars. So, yes, they're racing, but they really can't compete with the world of outlaw law, late models. So it's I think you have a better chance for success if it's in an area of the country where there are open late models. And like in Shano Speedway situation, when they first started having the world late models, I mean – world of outlaws i mean that was big news i mean the grandstands were filled for the first couple of years but then as the years went by attendance you know kind of dwindled each year and then eventually you know they just said you know we're not gonna host them anymore that's exactly why they're going to wilmot this year <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding so biggest surprise right you know biggest surprise when you looked at the schedule was there anything that stuck out and you're like, oh, wow, that that stuck out? Either one of you guys? Well, you pointed it out to me. Uh, the Gopher 50 is going to be World of Outlaws this year instead of Lucas. How many years was that, Lucas? It wasn't many. No, I, I guess I don't know exactly offhand, but it was it was a handful, but it wasn't a ton. Because, I mean, it was big news when that went from – when it switched to Lucas and now it's switching back. Right. Right. Kraus, anything stick out to you? No, not really. I didn't really look at it, you know, too in depth. Um, just obviously uh, the swing up here changed. Um, I-94 is on Thursday now, and then they're going to Grand Forks on Friday. And then obviously hitting Norman County Raceway on Saturday. I would assume that had something to do with Fargo, not being able to host that show with, with Bitker there. Um, cause you know, they were in, they were in Fargo last year and it was actually a, you know, pretty decent race. Gustin should have won it, but Marlar ended up winning. It was actually a decent race there. So, um, and obviously Fargo, you have the people and you have the facility and the grandstand. 
Um, you can fill that place. So that was a little interesting to see their norm going to Norman County. Like I said, I, I, I haven't did any research on it, but I would assume Bitker had to move that for some reason. Cause he couldn't race, couldn't race in Fargo. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be curious to find out. There's gotta be some kind of a scheduling contract with the fair or something going on there. Because like you said, I mean, it was a, that was a big surprise to me of switching from Fargo to Ada. I raced a ton of shows in Ada and I had some good races it'll be interesting to say the least. I, I hope they have a good show up there. It's a pretty rural area. So, you know, when we're talking, it's not a ton of miles from Fargo. I mean, what is it? A half hour, maybe 40 minutes from the kind of the Fargo Moorhead Metro area. So, I mean, it's within driving distance, but it's not like it's sitting right in a big town with a, with a big fan base. They don't get a huge crowd up there. So it'll be really interesting to see how that works out. Final question on this topic. So where I initially saw the post was Ricky Thornton Jr.'s Facebook page. Kind of found that interesting. Could he be jumping ship and going World of Outlaw Racing instead of Lucas Oil Racing in 2024? Go ahead. Well, don't um, don't steal my bold prediction, Bert. I'm going to throw that out on the line. <laughs> that's one of my bold predictions, that, that he's jumping ship to World of Outlaw. So you guys can't use that, so... I thought it was very interesting. And then today or yesterday, he posted the World of Outlaw Extreme midget schedule, too, as well. So he's he's got something going on there. Um, and, you know, especially Lucas hasn't even posted their schedule. Lucas posted their schedule first last year, and Outlaws came out after, did some research on that today. So there's something something's going on. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Now, he didn't post on Facebook that he was all butthurt about the championship or anything like that, but let's face it, he was butthurt about the championship, right? He was professional about it, but he definitely did not say anything about it on social media um, yet. He may, but he hasn't yet. Another thing is um, a lot of these drivers will kind of do their commitment deal to both of them during speed weeks and then come March is when they kind of make that decision when they split. I probably stole that from you, Bert. Is that what you're going to say? Uh, no, I I mean, I had thought about that earlier, but I didn't have it in my mind when you said that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they kind of decide later on, although that may not have as big of an influence on, well, RTJ, because, I mean, he was up by 500 points going into the last week, or, you know, going into the into the final race so you know even if you're leading the lucas oil series at the point where you have to make a decision it still comes down to one race right right yeah it's gonna be interesting the silly season is here we still have a couple big races here to close out 2024 a little bit of an off season like a week and a half or something like that and then we get back to it so it'll be it'll be fun to see who lands where so let's uh, jump into our weekly pick and pick them segment from this past week. First, a shout out to our friends over at Daytona One Performance Lubricants. So these guys do a lot more. We've been talking a lot about the tire treatment, allowing tires to last longer. They use that in the Gen X. But guys, they have lubricants for a ton of different applications. In fact, Buck, who is actually the founder, the owner of this company, He's in the Hall of Fame for NASA. Yes, you heard of Josh Dobbs? 
There's also Buck, right? So we got Nassau guys here, right? So he's in the Hall of Fame for lubricants in Nassau, and we're going to be talking in the coming weeks. We're going to have a little tidbit about some of the other products they have. But go ahead, check them out online. Um, check them out on Facebook. That's Daytona One Performance Lubricants. So last week's movers and shakers, Bert, Curtis spread it out just a little bit more. Our point leader, Curtis, had an eight-bagger last week. Bert, Dan, and Mike with good weeks had six. I had four points. Brad had three. Kent and Jeff had two. Now, our current standings as it sits. Now, from the best I can guess, talking with Jeff earlier, we have 11 races remaining to pick. We got three this week. We have two um, XR Super Series events at Alltech next week. And then at the Dome, we're going to pick three nights of the mods, three nights of the late models, and then we end it at the dome. Okay. Bert's out there thinking we need Hornets, Enduro, right? Go cars. <laughs> we don't got to make this happen. But we have 11 races left for Bert to close the gap and go three in a row. Curtis at 228. Bert, the two time and defending champion at 222. Dan at 211. Brad is at 205, one point ahead of Mike. Those boys kind of talked a little smack back and forth. They're really close. Kent at 193, five points ahead of me at 188. Not so hot Carl at 163. Now, keep in mind, he hasn't made a pick in like a month, right? His brother Jeff at 146, 17 points back. If there's 11 races left, that means that there's 22 available points. Very, very thin margin there for Jeff to maybe come back and beat his brother at the end of this deal. This week, we're picking USAC Midgets in California. Tonight, we're doing the show. It's Tuesday. So Tuesday and Wednesday at Merced and uh, Ventura. We got a big show there, Ten grand to win on Saturday. So a look back at the shows here that we uh, – from last week, there was a lot of racing, right? Not not a lot of craziness, nothing big, but just a little recap, a couple things that happened. First, to shout out Zuli's Race Engines, that time of year, right? Looking forward to 2024. You want to win races? Get a good power plant. Zuli's Race Engines has that. You want to win championships? Get a durable power plant. They have that as well. So if you can't beat them, join them. That's Zuli's Race Engines. So, one of the cool events uh, on the calendar, guys, that I was pretty excited about, and I watched the feature from last week. So the Volusia Speedway down in Florida, they have the Emil and Dale Rudiman Memorial. I think it was like the 11th annual or something like that. The thrill from Mooresville, Nick Hoffman parked in Victory Lane running the number seven car. But one thing that stuck out to me, I don't know if you guys watch the feature, but so Buzzy Rudiman still getting after it, right? David Rudiman, he I was surprised I don't know if he's hurt or whatever, but he didn't race. But Buzzy Rudiman, 82 years old, still racing. He had to pull off twice because he ran out of tear offs, I think twice. The track was let's just say it didn't get dusty. Right. It was kind of a debacle. But they had a really cool I, I really like the replica cars. I think it's really cool when, you know, you have a legend in your area that this guy's been huge in racing and somebody takes one of their cars might have been them themselves i don't know and they build a replica and that was the pace car to this race so that was pretty cool and then uh um drake troutman hell of a run 21st to second in that deal um i think there was i don't know Krauss can maybe know the exact number i think 872 yellows 
not a hundred percent sure, but it took forever. I think it was a fifty lap feature, which Krauss doesn't think that's enough laps, but I do. I mean, <laughs> either one of you guys watch that feature. Anything else stick out to you at Volusia? <laughs> so another race that was actually pretty entertaining, pretty good, pretty good show, pretty good weekend, hell of a good car count. So Springfield, Missouri, they had the 17th annual Turkey Bowl. Um, too many, my mind, too many classes, but still good racing nonetheless. A very stout mod field. Remember, USMTS is done, so a bunch of them hitters came. They raced that deal. Tom Berry Jr. came from pretty deep, maybe 11th or something like that. Parked it in victory lane. Second place driver, I don't know this guy, Sawyer Krigler. I'm not even sure why, but he had a pretty good run. He was running the outside. He got DQ'd. I'm assuming light, maybe. I'm not really 100% positive. Uh, late models, Tyler Stevens parked in victory lane, but pretty good field of cars, um, pretty good racing, good top, good bottom. Um, might be one for, for folks to check out this time of year next year. Um, either one of you get a cha chance to watch anything at Springfield. Yeah, I, I rewatched the mod race. Um, just wanted to see uh, what it was like. Obviously, uh, Todd Barry Jr. was really fast. He was right around the bottom, and that was it. Krigler. He was he was pretty good. I thought he was going to get him up top. And then um, one surprising thing on that one, Ryan, they only started twenty cars, um, and there was fifty six there. I thought I thought that was I, that was really puzzling to me. Um, it's not a little. I mean, it's it's a little bullring, but I wouldn't consider it a you know a Macon or a or a Fairberry by no means. Um, so I was really surprised that they only started 20 cars there. And then, you know, he had the DQ and then there's only 14 cars that finished at the end. So um, I thought that was a little, um, a little surprising, but um, the race was just kind of okay. Track was really good. It had a high side. It, it had a top. There was just a lot of grip down there and Barry was just rolling that bottom and pulling off the corner. So um, really, really good quality cars. That was cool to see. So it looked like a pretty cool place. And, I um, was hoping for a little bit more exciting race, but uh, Tom Berry was just pretty much dominant. Kenny Schrader, well, actually, Herminator was there, and I don't think he made the show. Kenny Schrader was there. And he, I think he ran top five in both the A-Mod and in the B-Mod, so he had a really good run, um, really good weekend there. Um, but also another replica car. They had It was a Larry Phillips Memorial um, is what it was, so they actually had a throwback of one of his cooler cars. They had the Larry Phillips number 75 pacing the field before the late model feature. And uh, I think that was the 17th annual, and Terry Phillips has is leading the way with four um, Turkey Bowl wins. Chris Jackson and the J2 won the B-Mods and tied him for his fourth. Oh. There we go. Phone call. Phone call's coming in. I still don't know how. I have no idea how to put it on Do Not Disturb. No clue. I have no idea. I know how to do it on my old phone. I do it on this phone. It just does not work. I don't understand. So, good racing at Springfield. So, Southern All-Stars, not overly eventful at Southern Raceway. Um, the announcer kind of makes it a little bit more exciting and fun. You got Dwayne Keith. He's kind of got that, the wrestling throwback. He's, you know, he's really getting after it. Um, some people are like, that guy's freaking annoying, right? And some guys... I kind of enjoy him because he's got so much energy and he's so much different. So it was kind of worth watching just to hear him. Um, night number one, Dalton Cook won. Night number two, Joseph Joyner. I will say this. So yeah, us with soda people up here, right, sometimes we complain about tracks a little dusty. I got a buddy of mine 
over in Grand Rapids, Jim, that ah, he's a little opinionated once in a while. That's probably why we like each other, because we're kind of the same. And he'll get just hammering on racetracks about the dust. This guy would have a heart attack if he went to some of these southern tracks, right? Southern Raceway is a dump. I'm telling you, that place is awful. It's just completely gravel, dusty, rough. He would literally lose his mind. Krause, are you thankful that our racetracks up here are significantly better than most of the racetracks down there? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You you see them all the time when it's dust, 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 and um, it, it's tough. You know, it's a different uh, different dirt, different heat down there. When you especially when you. You know, it's a lot different up here too. When the, when the sun comes out and the heat up, it's a different ball game up here. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that. I, I, I just saw a clip of it, and I'm like, "Holy smokes!" I don't know if you sent it to me or someone sent it to me. I was like, "Holy smokes!" Yeah, she was dusty for sure. Uh, Palmetto State 50 at Lancaster, South Carolina. Didn't get a chance to watch that one, but Ben Watkins and the Longhorn got it done. Bert, did you watch that one at all? I did not. I couldn't even find that one. And then uh, we have two more here. So the Gobbler, probably the best race of the weekend that I watched, right, was the Gobbler at Duck River. Bad mother effer, right? The BMS <laughs> chassis, Tanner Inglis parking in Victory Lane. Um, Bert, I know you watched that race. Any thoughts there from Duck River? Um, Yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good race. Uh um, I mean, Tanner English started on the outside of the front row and took the lead right away. So I thought he was gonna just going to walk away with it. But uh, he actually lost the lead to uh, Sewell or something like that. And um, Sam Seawright. Um, Seawright, yeah. And uh, didn't Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> didn't retake the lead until under 20 laps to go. And yeah, he went on to win, and yeah, in his uh, victory lane speech, uh, he was talking about the the chassis and uh, um, how good it is. Well, then the other uh, interesting comment that he made when he was talking about the chassis was, you know, something to the effect of, it, it, it's nice to have the support, or it's nice to have people who will give you the support that you need or something like that, which as soon as he said that, I thought, okay, so the previous chassis that he was racing wasn't, you know, I thought he was insinuating they weren't giving him the support that he thought that he should be getting. There has been some grumblings about that, like kind of the later, middle half of the year, later in the year, right? Some of the top tier drivers, Some there's just been little comments back and forth where no real major shocks necessarily, right. but... Things have changed, and of course, I mean they. I mean, look how many people jumped wow. over to jumped over to Longhorn. I mean, when you get that many teams coming over there, pretty soon it's like, well, there's only so many people working there. How do we support all these different drivers? So that's going to be the challenge moving forward for the Longhorn crew down down in Charlotte to see if they can keep all their customers happy. Not an easy task. And then the the probably the biggest event of the weekend, the biggest race, the 33rd annual Blue Gray 100 down at Cherokee, Gaffney, South Carolina. Whew, another dump. That place just does not, in my opinion, right, it just does not produce good racing. Was I, mean, it, it's just, I, I didn't see any of it. Was it a choo-choo? It was a choo-choo, yeah. I mean, it didn't seem to, like, lock up, like, 
rubber necessarily, but it was so it was like clean in one spot, especially on exit on both ends, right? Coming off a of two and coming off four. It's like you could be in one spot. You could enter maybe a little different, but you had to exit in one spot. So I mean it was literally like I watched it and it was like a train race going around the track. I mean, there was a couple guys trying high getting in, but I mean it was I mean it was just not eventful. Kraus uh so Madden won that deal. Any thoughts on Cherokee? Um, no, first thought is we got to get rid of these hundred lap racers. I mean, I, I, I can't, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason why that race should have been a hundred laps. There just isn't. It was for, it was for 20 grand, you know, and you know, you know, Shirley's car owner and Viper Motorsports, all these guys are getting up there about the cost, the cost, the cost, the cost, the cost. Well, what's the cost around a hundred dollar or a hundred lap race? You know, the, the wear and tear on the engine, you know, they, they always go by laps on those engines in those cars. You know, hey, this motor's got 3,000 laps on it or whatever it may be. Um, you got to start cutting these down. They're not more exciting. They're not. They're, unless they start rubbering up and you start blowing tires, you know, then it's – but then the drivers get mad. But, but it's exciting from that standpoint. So, yeah, Mad wasn't really challenged. He would have really, really left them. Um, but a couple guys started blowing right rear tires. Um, late in that race, so he was really babying. He was driving his car super tight. I don't know if you noticed that he was going into one and driving up the track to save that right rear. So um, he's uh, he's obviously really good at saving tires. He's won a lot of races saving his tires. So um, yeah, it wasn't much of a race. It just the, I saw the hundred laps and I was like, no, nah, we got we got to put an end to this hundred lap these hundred lap races. I agree. I think that was his ninth. I think it was his ninth blue gray too. Like he's. He's won a lot of races down at Cherokee for sure. Any closing thoughts on on any of these races from this past weekend or no? Nothing, nothing. No. The other thing that happened at Cherokee is uh, um, Ethan Dotson ended upside down in the heat. Probably the biggest excitement of the week. It wasn't. He was okay. I don't think the car got massively destroyed by any means. A little tin damage there, but um, but other than that, there's nothing really that stuck out over the weekend. Let's jump into the last lap here, brought to you by our friends over at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown, South Dakota, home of the Aero Chassis. Of course, Ron and Trevor Anderson, very accomplished behind the wheel, very accomplished in the racing community, building cars, doing fabricating, selling parts. They service a lot of racetracks. Just great, great people to have in your corner in racing. And uh, this weekend, or actually Friday, they're having a pretty cool deal. They're having a Black Friday deal. You don't hear too many Black Friday deals in the racing world, but they're going to have a Black Friday deal. So if you're a, if you're in the racing community, if you're over in Watertown on Friday, stop in and say hi to those guys at Dirt Track Supply. Um, Bert, Eastern Wisconsin, you sent me a couple tidbits. What's going on over there? Um, you talking about my asphalt thing that I sent you? Yep. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. SRX series is going to return to Slinger Speedway in 2024 uh, sometime in late July. Uh, it's going to be part of the Thursday Night Thunder package that SRX is part of. And uh, if you remember um, SRX raced in Slinger two years ago, but not last year. And uh, so uh, it'll, it'll be good to Good to see them back in back in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's good for the area for sure. And uh, Kraus, so speaking of asphalt races, I think you're the only one of us that probably watched this race. I think it started at midnight. But uh, 
little bit of excitement over there in Las Vegas. They had F1 over there. Um, I saw some stuff on Facebook that night one was just a complete disaster for practice, and they weren't refunding people. They were giving people like vouchers, right? To to you know, hey, we're not going to give you your two hundred. Was it two hundred dollars to watch practice? Is that what it was? I saw two hundred dollar vouchers or something like that, where people were getting where they could buy apparel and and whatever. What stuck out to you from F one at Las Vegas? Yeah, it was that's what caught my eye. I was on Facebook reading um, with storm drains popping up and guys wrecking their cars, and the team Ferrari guy was mad, and then they they penalized the guy for fixing his cars. Uh, there was just a whole bunch of drama there, but um, just what an event, though. I mean, just um, it's a racing event, so I'm, you know, I, I like racing and I like watching racing, and not really into those cars. Never really got into Formula One. I did, you know, I'm more Formula One way back in the day. Um, you know, there's some big names there and, you know, when, you know, when you watched IndyCar and Alan Jr. and Fittipaldi and all those guys, you kind of watched F1 because they kind of crossed over there a little bit, but they haven't really get into it, but it was a hoopla. All the drivers said, this is 99% show and 1% race. Um, I saw that comment a bunch. Um, you know, you the celebrities were not, I mean, you got Shaquille O'Neal was at the event. Um, so, I mean, it, it's just the, the celebrities that were there was crazy. Um, the race was just kind of okay The you know, Super cool layout, and you're racing in Vegas. I mean, that's gonna be cool. So, um, right the down the strip, just kind of, wasn't it? what's that? Wasn't it right down the strip? Yeah, well, it was, it was right down the strip. They had, you know, they had they had everything blocked off. They had big tall walls, so the normal people couldn't see the race, and uh, people complaining <laughs> about that. And ticket prices were ridiculous. Um, but uh, overall, the race was just kind of okay. Um, Max for was it Verstappen? Is that his name? Um, he kind of mopped up on everybody and a um, little bit of a pit strategy there. And then I knew as soon as the pit tra- pit strategy came back around, he was going to take the lead, and he pretty much drove away from the field. So he had a minor little battle there with the lead, but um, a big event, you know, bring some money to the states. That's that's for sure, um, and that's that's always a good thing when we're bringing money, keeping the money over here. But um, you know, overall, just an okay show. Not much, you know. Big, like I said, big, huge event. The racing was just kind of the uh, sidekick of that deal. I can't believe the attendance they get at those races. It's flabbergasting. You know, for me, I look at it, I'm like, I'm a dirt guy. I, I enjoy watching dirt racing far more than I like watching that. But just, I mean, the amount of people that show up to that deal is just incredible. So, um, Silly season, some add-ons to silly season, kind of making a list as we go. Talked about Billy Kendall last week, found out that he's going to be in an XR1 rocket. So pretty good hot rod. He's a pretty good driver. Um, Doesn't race a ton. He's won some races in the mod. Um, I've seen him put on some pretty darn good laps. He's going to be fun to watch this year. Um, Nathan Sleto, he's kind of from over in your neck of the woods a little bit, isn't he, Kraus? Sleto's? He is. He's at, he's actually um, he's from Alexandria, or right down the road. His dad, um, his dad's from town here. His dad ran Superstock back in the day for there a little bit, um, and then he he kind of run Bemidji, kind of travels a little bit. He was here for some of our specials and hits some of the specials around. Uh, but I see, yeah, he's jumping classes. Yeah, word on the street. He's got a late model coming here for twenty twenty four, and then we look bigger scene, right? We look to the world of outlaws. A driver that was actually a pretty solid runner in the beast of the Northeast and big block modifies Max McLaughlin going to be jumping into a Longhorn late model 
And he's just going to throw it right to the wolves. He ain't going to run no regional, whatever. He's jumping in. He's going world of outlaw racing. I tell you, he's he's pretty good wheel man, though. I think he might adapt well, but quite the he might have a little bit of a learning curve there with them boys. Yeah, I, I just remembered one thing I was going to bring up during the hunt to the front. Um, did you notice that uh, Spencer Hughes was uh, racing? I did not. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess was. I saw the name, but what happened there? What's what's the story? Uh, well, you know, Spencer Hughes lost parted ways with his car owner uh, not that long ago, and uh, he was in the nineteen car racing in the Hunt to the Front feature. I think that's the car that Will Harrington had raced before, um, and and Harrington and and the car owner had parted ways. Uh, uh, I don't know month and a half ago or so so that was interesting i don't know if that was just a one race deal or if they're going to be if he's going to be in that car more often but i i noticed that right away when i was watching that good catch keep an eye on that take a peek as you know as the weeks progress see if maybe that turns into a long-term deal uh, i want to give a shout out kelly Esty. um i don't have the exact numbers right they, they didn't keep data kelly's kind of old so you got to go way back right to kind of keep track of some of this stuff but I would say that Kelly's got to be, and I don't think it's close, probably the winningest mod driver and in, in for sure like the northern Minnesota kind of our area um, and one of the most winning mod drivers throughout Minnesota. The guy's won everything. He's won a ton of races, championships, you name it. Um, he's done the Brett Favre. I'm going to quit. I'm going to race. I'm going to quit. I'm going to race. Well, he said he's done. Things are sold. Saturday night, Homer Barr hitting Minnesota. Kelly Esty is going to have his retirement party and uh, congratulations. Me and him didn't always see eye to eye when we raced. We were both highly competitive, but I tell you what, that family's done a lot for racing. Going to be sad to see him go. Um, Mac, maybe a race more. I'm not sure. Skeeter's a hell of a driver, but congratulations, Kelly Esty on a great career and uh, look forward to seeing you probably this summer, maybe again in the 37, who knows, but we'll see what happens. And I have a driver to add to the switching classes. Uh, I received confirmation after uh, last week's show. Um, I didn't even contact him. He 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 w listens to the show and he sent me a message on Facebook. He, and he told me that I can release the news about this. But you have to guess the driver because you couldn't guess it last week. Uh, uh, race late models in the past. Race modifieds more recently from central Wisconsin. His dad raced late models. Oh, his dad Chris Ortel? Yes. Ha! How's that for a guess? <laughs> Boom! Right there. Okay. Chris Ortel gonna be in a late model. So is he gonna run over kind of eastern Wisconsin then, or is he gonna kind of bounce around Mississippi Thunder Cedar he Lake? He said he plans on racing at Seymour and Shano and then following the Dirt Kings tour. Former winner of the Silver 1000 kind of made a weird That was going to be another hint that I was going to give you. Yeah, left left with the Northerners money. I don't I don't know about that, but I got to race yeah. against him a little bit when I raced Scott Duvall's car and hell of a good driver. Going to be uh, fun to watch him um this year in that late model. Do you know what he got? Do you know what kind of chassis? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to look if it's in the message, and if it's not in the message, I'll I'll ask him. 
All right, Chris, post in the comments for us. I know, I know he watches the show. <laughs> so let's jump into our final uh, segment here, guys. Three bold predictions. Shout out to Mason Aaron's videos. Check them out on YouTube, on Facebook. Great ambassador to the sport. If you're a racer, if you're a racetrack, you want a little highlight video type of deal. He does that kind of stuff. Does really good work. So off the board this week, Coach Krause. You said the Herminator, Kenny Wallace, was going to win the Turkey Bowl in the Modified. Didn't make the show. You jinxed him. Jinxed him. You got a bad beat here. Kind of a bad beat for you. You said Joseph Joyner was going to win at Duck River. <laughs> and that was a hunt the front deal or whatever. I mean, I, I kind of figured maybe he'd go too. Well, he won, but it wasn't there. He won at uh, Southern Raceway, so he did not win at Duck River. But you did say that Chris Smokey Madden was going to not only qualify first, win the heat, but he's going to win the feature and sweep the whole deal at the Blue-Gray 100. So that's kind of a clean sweep for you. Bert, you said the Southern All-Stars late model, and I believe that he's the champion of the series, Caleb Gay was going to get a pair of podiums at the Southern Raceway. I think he got in an altercation in the first feature, which sent him to the back. In fact, in fact, I know he did. He was running second. This was an interesting deal. This is a bad beat because he got 10th night one. He got third night two. So he's running second. And somehow he gets together with the leader, which was Dalton Cook, and gets himself turned around, right? The yellow comes out, and Dwayne Keith, the announcer, is like, boy, did he catch a break. Christmas come early because there was a lapper or somebody else that spun out, and they said, we're going to throw the yellow on that guy. Well, then they kind of farted around a little bit, and they, they're like, nah, we're going to we, – the yellow is on that guy, but he was also stopped on the track, so they put him to the back anyway. He was pissed. So it was uh, kind of a bad timing deal for him. So you almost had it. You should have had it, but you didn't have it. And you did get one, though. You said the thrill from Mooresville. Nick Hoffman was going to win the A-Mod A-Main at Volusia, and he's really good there, and he got her done in the seventh. Clean sweep for the 71A. Hanner English is going to win at least one this weekend. And he did. He got her done. I said three different chassis would win late model features out of the races that we chose, right? So we had Longhorns. We had a rock, couple rockets in there. And we had the BMF of Tanner <laughs> English making it the trio. I also said that Cherokee would be a train. Now, this one is up for discussion. If, if you guys die on a hill and you're like, no, 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 no. I said Cherokee is going to be a train race by lap 15. So it didn't rubber, but it was a train race on lap one, in my opinion. So, Kraus? Um, Bert, I thought he said it's going to rubber on lap 15. Did he not? I I don't recall hearing the word train last week. We're going to have to throw on. We may have to go back and listen to that. We're going to have to go back and listen because Jeff sent it over, not not Jeff Krause, our our, uh, other Jeff. He sent it over that Cherokee will be a train race by lap 15. That's how he worded it. Now, I don't know if he took the exact wording that I had and then just wrote it down or if he altered that and made his own wording. If, in fact, I said it's going to be Cherokee's going to be a train race by lap 15. Can we agree that that would be the case? 
if in fact that I said it's going to be rubbered by lap 15, then it's an absolute no. So we'll go back for now. I get the point, but we can audit this one and make sure that I <laughs> make sure that I got the win. So our standings, we have, we, right? We have checks and balances. We're going to audit it. <laughs> we we do. We do. We'll check on that. So Bert, we're going to put you on that. Just go back to the shows, get back to the end, and then you can let us know. Um, if that one stands, um, right now I'm at 53 correct, 77 incorrect, 40.8 percentage. Bert, you're at 49 correct, 87 incorrect for a 36 point con- uh, percentage. And Coach Krause, you got 13 correct, and you're at 19.1. You got a late start and probably threw a couple haymakers in there that your batting average was pretty low. Your batting average was low. So this week's three. So we typically racing-related, something that either did or did not happen. And as you know, we keep ourselves accountable on this deal. But we make three picks, three laps around the track. I'm going to start. RTJ is going to be in the world of all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we'll start with Bert. We'll go to Coach Kraus. We'll come back to me. So okay, I'll, Bert, I'll go RTJ. Your no. first pick. Uh, <laughs> Um, I will go with Carson Macedo will win at least one feature this weekend in the USAC Midgets. Okay. Okay. Kraus? Well, we're getting it out of the way. Right away. We're going RTJ is going to be uh, following the World LA Model Tour next year. All right. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over to the USAC Midgets as well. Cannon McIntosh is going to have the best average finish over the three nights at the USAC Midget Shows um, between Merced and Ventura this week. Bert? All right. I'm going to stay with the USAC Midgets, and I'm going to go with uh, CV is going to seal the deal for his championship by winning at least two features this weekend. Logan Seavey going to get her done. Okay. All right. So he's going to seal the deal on the championship and he's going to win too? Yes. So that's a parlay deal there. Okay. So he's going to win at least two and he's going to seal the deal on the points. All right. Coach Cross. I'm going to, um, I, I don't know if it's too bold, but I need some points, Bert. Um, <laughs> Rico Breu, he's going to make an announcement that he'll be joining the. Uh, I haven't seen much of anything. He's going to be running the high limit series next year full time. I'm going to make a uh, prediction say that's going to happen. I saw you had a post out there that was kind of a what should I do? Should I kind of stick with the being the outlaw and kind of run wherever I want? Should I follow the woo? Should I follow them? And it kind of had yeah, like a was, little hole there. Yeah, he was asking his fans to give him some advice. <laughs> Right, right. So that'll be interesting. See, if he follows that whole series, he can run all the World of Outlaw shows that he wants to run, and there's no conflict. So you might be onto something. You know, I'm going to go uh, sprint car racing as well. There will be more 100,000 win or more shows for sprint cars, 410 wing sprint cars in 2024 than there is for late models. More hundred grand to win shows for sprint cars than there is for late models in 2024. Bert, all right. Um, I am going to go. There will be at least three drive. Well, 
well, I, I need points too. I don't, I don't know if I'll get a point, but uh, there'll be at least three drivers from the top 10 from the final standings of Lucas who will switch to World of Outlaws next year for late models. Three drivers from World of Outlaws that'll switch to Lucas, not the other way around. No. Lucas to World of Outlaws. Okay. Three from Lucas to World of Outlaws. Okay. Yeah. At least three. At least three. From, from the top 10 in the point standings. Okay. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. Um, I'm Kraus, what's your third and final one? My last one, the um, Lucas Oil Late Model Series is going to change their format. Um, I'm going to make a prediction right now that they're going to be doing something different. It's the reason why their schedule's not all right now. It's the reason why some of these drivers are acting up. I think they want change. I'm going to go out on the limb and say they are going to be changing their um, third, you know, the whole system. So it's going to be, it's not going to be the four at the end. It's going to be a complete new system. Okay. Any speculation on what it might be? Or, or do you think it might be the, and this doesn't count for the points. You're just saying there's going to be change. But do you think it could be the same deal? But the four drivers have a four race deal, something like that, or no? I, I, something's gonna, something's going. There's something going down. Why haven't they come out with their schedule? You know what I mean? It's they're always first. And they always want to do it, and it, it, they're not. They're really that much. World Outlaws is about the same weekend as they're putting their schedule out. So there's something going on there. I don't know if they had some drivers or some owners going off on it. And like I said, RTJ, you know how he is on social media. Um, with his posts and sending out the uh, cryptic messages, so to speak, or cryptic tweets, they always say. Um, right. something's, there's something going on. So I would assume, I mean, I that format worked out great. It was fun to watch. But I think when you got more of the drivers and the owners upset, um, maybe they are going to go to a playoff system, kind of like the NASCAR, and get it set up, you know, at track. Say, hey, we're going to go from 12 to 8 to 4 to the final or whatever. Yeah, I guess the time will tell. Probably sooner rather than later. So I'm going to go with my third and final pick here, and I'm going to go sprint car racing again. Donnie Schatz has won five features in each of the last three seasons. In 2024, he will double that amount. Donnie Schatz will win at least 10 A-mains. And I'm not saying just World of Outlaws. It could be a collection of anything. Donnie Schatz will have at least 10 A-main feature wins in the 2024 racing season. We need to have him back up front. That's what we need to see. One, one last one last hurrah there. It probably got a little easier there, right, with uh, old uh, Brad Sweet leaving, right? So, I mean, if he gets another couple to follow, then it might be even easier yet. But I think Schatz is uh, – I think he's still got some gas left in the tank, so to speak. So – Guys, uh, that's a wrap. Episode 204 in the book. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys again and your families and all of our fans and viewers and everybody that's uh, watching the show. And any closing thoughts from you guys before we sign off? No, I, I just concur with you. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to both of you and and to all of our, our listeners also. Yeah, same thing. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Um... Not for me. I got a busy week of hockey. We got a game tomorrow, um, Thursday off, and then I got games Friday and Saturday too. So we're um, two of them are at home though, so that's nice. It's we were at home last weekend too, so it's just nice to be at home. But um, still got to travel. Still got to still got to work. Some of us got to work uh, there full time. I'm knowing sure you'll be trucking busy time of the year. So uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you guys, and you guys have a uh, a good week. 
Sounds good, man. Well, as always, I'm Ryan Aho. That's Bert Lehman. That's Coach Jeff Krause. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show.